Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. What an exciting weekend for soccer fans throughout the St. Louis region. It was a long time coming for St. Louis City SC's first home game at City Park, and it did not disappoint. In just a moment, St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin and Wayne Pratt will join us to share what it was like as City SC triumphed over Charlotte FC Saturday night. But first... Jeremy brings us the sounds of what this weekend of celebration was like, and he started with a group of fans tailgating outside the Schlafly Tap Room five hours before kickoff. This is Fleur de Noise, and we're the drum line for the supporter section. I'm one of the bass drum players. We're selling t-shirts, stickers, and magnets and pins, and this is to help us with the upkeep of the drums for the drum line. This is the Clydesdales for Budweiser. They're getting ready to take off and make old-fashioned deliveries about like they used to in the day. The horses are going to take off and make a block around the stadium. So during the games, we'll kind of see what's happening on the field. We'll see what song we want to go to next. I'll hold up the sign to our drummers so they can see it. I try and really go off of what's happening on the field. So if we're attacking, 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 we want to go with our really uh, driving chance, like our really upbeat, up-tempo chance to get the crowd involved and kind of match that tempo of the game. People standing on the roof with confetti cannons. The parade's about to come through, and we're gonna have the music going. Confetti cannons blasting off while the parade walks through. It's gonna be some straight St. Louis love, man. It's gonna be awesome. One for the books. Gotta open it up, do it right. Few steps up, few steps up. Hey, Caleb, it's time.
we're, we're right behind the goal on their side, so we get to talk a whole bunch of trash, and it's the best. And we get to see our offensive line do everything that they possibly can. This is where the energy is, man. This is the best day ever. So this fun. is the best thing of my entire life. Oh my god. Thanks to St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin for bringing us the atmosphere and sounds of what it was like this weekend for St. Louis City SC's first ever home game, a 3-1 to win over Charlotte FC. And we want to hear from you. Were you City SC's first home game visitor on Saturday night? What was it like? Or if you weren't there, what are your thoughts on MLS in St. Louis? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. You can send us a tweet at STL on air as well. Jeremy Goodwin is here with us now. Welcome, Jeremy. Hi, Elaine. And also with us is STLPR's Wayne Pratt. Hello, Wayne. Good afternoon. Now, Jeremy, listening to that, it, it was a lot. <laughs> what was it like to be at the stadium? Did it look the way it sounded? Did it look the way it sounded? I would say so. It felt the way it sounded also. Uh, most of the people you heard in that piece were in fact heading in heading in for the game at some point, but mm-hmm. picking their moment to actually head in. So much energy, uh, a lot of positivity. It was similar when uh, the stadium did have its first exhibition match and people got their their first look at the facility, but things felt a bit more finished. Uh, this weekend, some more fixtures were in place, some more signage was in place, and uh, the whole thing went a little more, it went smoothly enough the first time, but uh, they're on a roll now. And how are people interacting with each other? It's a friendly environment. I mean, what you hear there is is pretty typical. And the, the fan groups break down in, into all different sorts. We heard from some of those folks. There's the, the St. Louisans, which who go back to 2010 and are now have now adopted this team. Even they are a coalition of four smaller fan groups but then there's the uh, st louis punks st louis city punks and the riot girls they're just formed last year that's a fan group with an emphasis on mental health awareness and on feminist causes there's stl santos the spanish-speaking supporter group the the thieves is describes itself as fighting for marginalized groups within the the game day environment there's even the no nap city ultras for parents of young children so people are coming to this from all different places in their lives and uh, finding common cause in this kind of a celebration. Yeah. And so there are 22,000 people at the uh, mm-hmm. at the game. 
It was a sellout crowd. And you just talked about the parents group. So did you see an age range among those who were waiting to go inside, like groups that included families with like teens and younger kids? Or Oh, um, I saw I didn't see as many families as, as I thought I might have. And perhaps they were they were seated somewhere else. I saw a lot of people, you know, we'll say from their 20s to their 60s or so. And Wayne, you were there for the game. Um, this is something that I believe you've been waiting for as well, sort of covering over time. Um, after the game, City SC head coach Bradley Carnell had this to say about the night. Last night, the party started and the fans brought it today. And uh, I said to the players, I said to the staff, this has been incredible, you know, so a big thank you to the fans. Yeah, I think we've set the bar really high. There's not too many stadiums uh, with this atmosphere, I can tell you that now. So it took some time to get to that point. So if we can take a, a bit of a, a step back, how did we get to this point of actually having an MLS team here in St. Louis? Well, there were attempts over the years that were not successful. Um, there was a vote a few years ago on a stadium plan that was rejected because voters felt it was pumping too much public money into the project. Uh, and then some deep-pocketed investors stepped up, led by um, Carolyn Kindle and uh, her family, the owners of the Enterprise uh, Foundation here in town, uh, felt it was important for the city to make this happen. And um, at a focus group a couple of weeks ago, my wife was at that and she shared this with me, um, Carolyn had mentioned that she wasn't a soccer fan before she got involved in this, but something that her dad had instilled in her was we need to be important for the community, and if there's a community need, we have to try to step up and make it happen. So that mentality really went a long way toward coming up with a viable stadium plan that could be easily put to voters or have at least the city approval without going to a vote, and that's what happened here. Without that stadium, this doesn't happen. That was the key part. Mm -hmm. Now, for many years, soccer fans have wanted a team here, and you've just said that even Carolyn Kendall was not a fan before the effort got underway to bring a team here. But there were other delays as well, particularly because of the, the pandemic. What were the, the delays exactly? And um, what was able maybe to proceed even as the, the COVID pandemic was happening? Well, the team was supposed to debut. What we went through on the weekend, that was supposed to have been a year ago. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic put the brakes on all of that. Construction on the stadium did continue mostly throughout that. Of course, at different times of the pandemic, stuff got slowed and so forth because of, of health issues and everything. But they did manage to, to get all, the, all that complete. But the big thing was uh, everything was delayed one year by mm -hmm. the pandemic. Uh, but as we saw on the weekend, and I'm sure Jeremy can back us up, it, it didn't dampen spirits at all right. on Saturday or even Friday when they had block party number one, I guess, on Friday outside the stadium. Right. So to that point about the block party... That was quite well attended. I admit that I had some FOMO, which ended up <laughs> coming kind of true because it, it seemed like it was a really great time. What was the mood like even the, the day before with, with all of that going on? Uh, I actually didn't attend the evening before. I did look at some photos that uh, St. Louis yes. uh, <laughs> on the airs my Norfleet took and, and have published. Uh, but uh, certainly a celebratory mood. And, and what you heard some of in that piece were the, we'll say, organized festivities, the tailgating. Uh, right across the road, uh, Union Station also had its own event with its own stage and, and a series of acts. Mm -hmm. um, so 
part of this is really encouraging people to go to that area to go find, you know, have a meal and watch the game, take a walk around the, maybe take a spin on the observation wheel, uh, trying to build out the, the infrastructure of the, that neighborhood. The, the question is, will the people be there when it's not the first match in franchise history? Mm-hmm. And or, or first home match, rather. Right. And then as far as the music part goes, you know, you cover arts and culture, and it was a it seemed like a way to bring in more people who don't necessarily follow soccer, but can become part of the, the home team supporting force. So was it interesting to see how music was being used in that way? I think so. It's um, It wasn't that long ago that soccer was a bit more of a, of a niche interest in, in the U.S., and it has gotten much more popular in recent years. And it's now popular enough that the, a city like St. Louis can – get a franchise, build a stadium, and hope that that's going to be a sort of general interest draw for people uh, in and outside of the city. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've got Dale from St. Louis County um, on the phone, as well as Nick from Clayton. So, Dale, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Hello. Yes. Uh, I have a question for the owners. And that is why is it so expensive to get a seat at this stadium? Uh, a couple of years ago, they projected general admission seats would be around $35 a seat. Uh, this was according to a KSDK 5 uh, article I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, that general admission, uh, that, that, that seat is... Uh, Right, it's more expensive now. And Nick from Clayton, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. You have a a point that's related to this. I just want to echo what he just said. It's the same thing. It's it's sort of turned out that it's set up for the upper middle class. And not to mention, I I had some friends who had six personal computers going the night they opened up, or the day they opened up the ticket sales to, to refresh the page to even get tickets. And then they, op- and then they, from what I understand, if you wanted to buy single seat tickets, you had to be a season ticket holder even to get those. Mm-hmm. And so the way it stands, I, I'm not sure you can just walk up with cash on the day of the game right. and buy a so, ticket. So there are some barriers then. There, there may be music and block parties and all the celebration going on outside the stadium, but the extent to which people can actually get in to see a game seems kind of limited. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure how that compares with, with ticket prices in other MLS stadiums. I know that you can get into Bush Stadium much much cheaper than that to, to see the Cardinals. They, they have ticket promotions, which are often in the $10 range, so that, mm-hmm. that's a different environment. That's also twice the size of City Park. So there are some space considerations to make. Wayne, how about you? You've been following this as well. Yeah, what Jeremy said, the capacity difference uh, from Bush Stadium to City Park is a key point there. Uh, I don't know when that $35 uh, quote came out. I'm not familiar with that article from KSDK. Um, but my guess is when that came out, inflation hit. That's part of it. And also, uh, I would assume some sort of dynamic pricing was in effect for this game. And as the demand grows... The prices go up, and that's the whole dynamic pricing 
uh, method mm -hmm. that a lot of sports teams have adopted. I'm not sure if that happened here. I'm just assuming it has because I think every sports team has adopted such a system. Um, but that is a question. Access to people who can't afford it. Even if you wanted to watch this game on TV Saturday right, night, right. Mm -hmm. you had to pay – um, depending on what your subscriptions are at home, you had to pay anywhere from uh, another $79 to uh, a bit more than that just to watch this game. Now, it would give you all the other games so they won't be blacked out for the rest of the season, but a lot of people were surprised on Friday and Saturday to find out, if I want to watch this game, i got to plop down at least 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a purchase, a, a, a soccer season pass yes. on, on Apple Plus. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. And I believe there was something that MLS Commissioner Don Garber said at the press conference that sort of addressed this thing about uh, you know how how much it costs for people to to watch the games. Yeah, he touched on that a lot. He met with a, a bunch of the reporters at halftime um, and, and really tried to expand on this. Uh, the, the number that jumped out at me, and I don't know the research they were citing, but I asked him about this number twice, and he didn't waver on it. He says eighty five percent of MLS fans were already watching soccer via streaming before they struck this deal with Apple. But it kind of persuaded them that this is the way we need to go. And they feel that strategy has been backed up by what's happening with the regional sports networks now. Bally Sports uh, about to go bankrupt and uh, Root Sports, I believe, which is owned by AT&T and stuff. They're all about to go bankrupt. So the way we watch our local teams at home is about to undergo a major shift. And there's a lot of people in the industry and industry observers who think MLS through this package with Apple Plus is at the forefront of what is about to happen. Mm. It means we got to pay more money. So if you look at it from, I'm going to plop down, say, the $79, that's cheaper than going to one game. Right. So right. if you can relate it there. Uh, but those who can't afford to go, get, go to the game and can't afford the 79 bucks, they're left out in the cold. they got to come up with a solution. Mm. Well, hopefully that solution will come up sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Because the the weekend was going to be a celebration, regardless. So, so many people have been waiting for the, the the team to start playing, for the stadium to open. And the team won. So City SC beat Charlotte 3-1. to one, And in doing so, became just the fourth MLS expansion team to win its first two games. Yeah. Now, That's one of those sports stats that gets thrown out there that I think is interesting. I yeah. don't know if the general public does. But. Well, I mean, to the extent <laughs> that, that people then will be interested in following a, a so far winning team, what can you tell us, Wayne, about the match itself and how it played out? Well, Charlotte scored first, and there was a lull that fell over the stadium. It may have been the only time that night, uh, Jeremy, when there was a lull in the stadium after that goal went in. And then uh, Charlotte scored on its own net to tie it, and then there was a penalty kick, and that's when things really started picking up with the noise again. And then in the second half, uh, there was a, a defensive mistake by Charlotte, which uh, SC capitalized on, or SC, excuse me, I'm still getting the initials all mixed up, <laughs> yes. which St. Louis capitalized on to put it away 3-1. And... Uh, that's the game in a nutshell, but it was very entertaining. It got a little uh, feisty at points between the two teams. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. I believe it was number nine on Charlotte became, I was thinking, hey, we have our first villain <laughs> oh, <gosh>. in City <laughs> Park because they were booing him every time he, he was touching the ball and so forth. It was a lot of fun. And I also talked to some Charlotte fans uh, who traveled to all the games, which was very interesting. And, and they wanted to be there um, to see the stadium and support their team and so forth. And, and I ended up with a couple of uh, FC Charlotte FC Charlotte, uh, Charlotte FC, excuse me, uh, workers in the elevator. And I was wondering, hey, man, how do I get that job to travel with these people to all the stadiums? How cool <laughs> would that be? 
Well, we appreciate everything that you've been to being able to shed light on, and we'll look forward to hearing some more about what's going on with this team as the season continues. Wayne Pratt is STLPR senior correspondent and morning newscaster, and Jeremy Goodwin, Goodwin is senior arts and culture reporter. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by Alex Hoyer, with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.